Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Not So Super Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Curley, joined by my co-host... Hey, it is I, Brennan. Welcome to the show. <laughs> A little delayed there, huh? Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're back with our sixth episode of the podcast. Who would have thought we could make it to six episodes? Oh, this is six, man. This is the furthest we've ever gone. Ever. In the podcast uh, world. <laughs> so, uh, and this week we are going to be reviewing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one by Mirage Comics. So, um, yeah, last episode we did Habibi, a little bit of a heavier note, a uh, little bit of a, a sadder note, so, and a and very, very long, long, long note. note. So, we decided to do a little bit shorter one this time. Uh, so, this is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. Uh, which is only, I think, 40 pages. Yeah, so. it's like 44, but that's probably counting some title pages. Yeah. So, Brandon, tell me a little bit, uh, you know, tell, why don't you speak a little bit to your history of, you know, this is my pick. But, um, you know, I want to know about your history with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, my God. My whole history? Uh, so, I'm a 90s kid, so naturally I grew up with uh, the turtle power. Um, my first interaction with it was... Uh, it's hard to tell because I was so young. I don't know about you, but I had uh, definitely a plethora of toys. Um, I inherited the my neighbor my neighbor friend's toys when he quote unquote was too old to play with them. Uh, what his mother said, <laughs> and then gave Isn't me that a, a crazy concept. A like like toys. you're too old for these toys. Old. I'm going to give them away. And then and then when we grow up and become adults, we just we buy the toys again, the same toys for more money. Right. Because we want to relive our yeah, childhood. Yeah. Uh, and the TV show, of course, the animated show, uh, which I loved. Uh, they were also, they were at Disney my first time ever to Walt Disney World. I was three years old, and they were actually at, this is how big they were, they were actually at what was then MGM Studios, now Hollywood Studios. So you actually got to I see them there. That's awesome. I got to see them, and That's I got awesome. to prove it, man. Oh my god, that needs to go in the YouTube video. <laughs> right. Is a that picture done? Absolutely done. done. Um, I'll I'll find I'll find some pictures of me with turtle stuff when I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, so if but, you want to see um, them, you listen on iTunes. Check out YouTube. We'll put them up. Um, so uh, and and are you still into turtles? Have you fallen off? What point did you fall off? What was the last kind of turtle stuff that you were into? I don't into? know, man. There's probably there's definitely that point of like the too old point where I stopped. Watching a lot. I mean, like, to this day, I'm like a little sad about it that I stopped watching a lot of cartoons and I stopped playing with toys or buying toys and reading comic books. And you know, it's that cool phase. It's a little bit after they're like, you're too, you're too old to be playing with toys anymore or watching these cartoons. But yeah, I always sort of regret it now I, because I'm back. I, to I cartoons. never went. I never went through that. <laughs> I never went through that phase where I, I had. I stopped watching cartoons. It, it was. Um. Uh, it was shorter <laughs> for me. It was shorter than most people. Like I came back to them pretty quickly. But there are definitely like a string of four years where I didn't, which I'm really sad about. Like there were times in my life where I definitely picked I put down stuff a little bit, or I, I did stuff a little bit more on the down low. Like I didn't really advertise how much I liked certain things because girls, like right? turtles. I mean, yeah, like, well, it's like there's, because there's this, like, when I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin, you know, you grew up in the Midwest yeah. as well. Southern like, Illinois. Like, there's this perception of, 
of like how what is cool and not cool and there's a perception of like oh well if you're into nerdy things no girl's gonna like yeah. you which is like totally not true because there are definitely girls out there I know who, isn't that that is like crazy to me that like there were a ton of girls out there our same age growing up at the same time that we could have just bonded over loving like stuff like this and nerdy stuff and comic books but like we all just sort of reserved it because there wasn't the internet wasn't huge and we weren't all connected is that it is that what makes us? Different? I mean, I I think, I, but I think it was also it wasn't as socially acceptable acceptable to be into this stuff, like especially when you were a girl, like, and that's even still today, like, you know, you'll hear stories of like girls going to like comic cons, or women, excuse me, women, girls, whatever, females, uh, going to comic con and then getting berated by like, oh, well, you're yeah, not a yeah, true right. fan, and like shit like that, where it's like, no, we're all like. Like degree of fandom or whatever is set aside. Who cares if a person likes something? Yeah, they like something. They can That's still all that love matters. It, you know, know everything about the side characters or something like that. Right, obsessively, like, and, and and that's okay. Or they could just be into the look. Even if you're just into yeah. the look, that's you, cool. You like what the art, wrong you with just that? Buy the, and wear the art. That's totally cool. That you love it still. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, like, I think that was a big part of it. Uh, I think there was also, like, a little bit more of a nerd revolution, like, around 2008. I mean, shit, our last president, uh, President Obama, was a nerd. Yeah. I mean, that dude loves cool Star Trek, like, you know, and Star Wars and stuff like that. And, like, he's, he talked about that. So, like, you know, it, it's, not, it's not, like, not okay to be a nerd. You know, nerds are yeah, they nerds definitely, are in. They definitely They're definitely So I don't know if it's the same for kids in high school or middle school right now. I have, I have no, no idea. idea about that, but think times were times were different, uh, and the turtles times were, cool. were different. Uh, I don't, I don't yeah. know. So, what was the last thing that you remember, like actively being? Was it the original cartoon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the animated Probably. cartoon that was on like, I feel like it was on Saturday Sunday mornings, but I don't remember exactly when it was on. I think that's. A, I, I think you're accurate. And I remember with that. the toys and. Uh, um, Loving Michelangelo, my absolute favorite. He's the oh, best. He's the best. Absolutely. Also, the, the live action okay, so, movies. So How can I forget? Let's get uh, this out the of the way. The yeah, the VHS oh, right. I wore out. Oh, so good. So good. I, I I still remember all of the trailers that played or the commercials that played on that VHS. <laughs> like there was this awesome Burger King commercial. I I think there was a Pizza Hut commercial as well. I'd be disappointed if there wasn't. Oh my god. Ah, oh, so good. Um, so, all right. So my history with the turtles is that when I was a kid, I was super into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, unlike un- uh, unlike you, I never really had a huge like down period. Like there were definitely periods where I didn't, mm, excuse me, where I didn't uh, interact with the turtles as much. But like when I was a kid, it was the cartoon and the toys, and then and then I watched the 2003 cartoon when that I was out. That. At all, uh, none of that. Oh, it's so good! It is so good. Uh, uh, we'll talk about it in a second, and I'll give a little bit of a, a little bit of a brief history of the turtles. But is that remarkable? I, it was, re- it was really good, man. It was fun. I mean, the style was really? a little darker. Okay. Uh, it was closer to the comics. Cool. It was cool. So then, so then there was that, um, and then, of course, I saw all the movies. I saw. If, if I remember correctly, I want, you know what? I might not have seen... I feel like I did... 
No, I couldn't. I, I would have been too young to see Secret of the Ooze and the third one in theaters. Yeah, I think it was. I, too. I think I would have. I was too young, but I, I definitely saw the the CGI one they did. I saw that in theaters because oh, my brother was also into Turtles, and I, and that's and that's not really? a bad one either. I enjoyed that one. Seems sacrilegious um, to the style of. Well, I mean, well, then let's talk about the... the uh, well, because I'm talking about... It was 100% animated. It was oh, an animated movie. okay. I thought the you CGI meant the... One. Li- the that one. Mixed it's live like, action one. No, no. You're thinking about the new ones. Yeah. So, no, it was 100% CGI. Uh, it had, like, Chris Evans was in it as one of the... As, like, Casey Jones. And, like, it like he got very little... Like, it didn't go very many places. Like, not many people saw it. It, was, it came up... Um, Warner Brothers put it out. It was in like 2007. Yeah, I went over my head. Is that movie? I remember. Um, it was. I mean, I enjoy that one. Then there's the 2000 and oh, I was living in New York, so it must have been 2013 or 14, or maybe yeah, it's like 2014 Tur- Turtles movie. That's the one with Megan Fox. Um, and I saw that movie, and, like, I, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like, my only problem with it was I didn't like the way yeah. the turtles Did looked. I don't like, like this. That, was, the, that didn't seem like a good design choice. I don't, uh, I don't like it. So so there's that, and then I, I have seen Out of the Shadows, which I thought was better, uh, which was the second one of those. I thought it was better than the first one, but it made less money. Um. But it had Rocksteady and Bebop was kind of cool. They were in that movie. Uh, it was cool. So that was so you know that's kind of a brief history that I have. Um, starting in like two thousand and I'm gonna say twelve, they started coming out with the color classics of the original issues, and so I started buying those and I started reading those yeah, comics. I saw those and they at were really this, into at that it. time, but I just um, never, I never picked them up. But I was intrigued because I had never, as a yeah. kid, I'd never seen the original prints or the original comic. It, well, and, and and truth be told, you'll never find well, probably an original comic. <laughs> right, those are those uh, are like of, five to seven the thousand dollars, right? What I mean is like the first edition. Yeah, but yeah. I got what you're saying. The first stuff, uh, the first right, the first right. versions, volume one, if you will. Um, yeah, I mean, I love I love the turtles though. I, I've always loved the turtles, and my love for turtles has gotten fueled excessively because uh, I currently I work at Nickelodeon, which owns the turtles. Uh, they own all of the Ninja Turtles stuff, That's lock, awesome. stock, and barrel. Um, they bought it from Peter Laird, one of the co-creators of the turtles, back in two thousand nine. Um, at that time, he had all of the rights. Uh, because he had bought them from his co-create, he had bought his co-creators half of oh, the rights smart. years prior, yeah. Kevin Eastman, and and he so he did his own thing for a couple of years, and then he was just kind of like, uh, you know what, I'm good, I think I'm done. 2009, he sells off the Turtle property to Viacom slash Nickelodeon, because um, Nickelodeon is owned by Viacom, and Nick, uh, Nickelodeon buys the rights and reinvigorates the brand like crazy. Um, and now, I mean, Turtles is only getting bigger and bigger. Like, uh, starting in 2012, there was the Nickelodeon series, which I never actually started watching until I worked at uh, Nickelodeon because I didn't like the style initially when I watched it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible, blah, blah, blah. 
I started watching it. It is incredible. Really? That show is so good. Like, it's well, and it's done by the same guy oh, who did the really? Teen Titans okay, like the television show. Animated one. It's and this, this one, as yeah, I know it, it's yeah, like the 3D, t- right? It's kind of 3D. It is. It's it's 3D animation, but like it's so awesome. Like it's so funny. It's got so much heart. It's got so much drama in it that like you're watching it. And you're like, this is some heavy, crazy up to, like, stuff. Clone Wars and, oh, it's so and, good. Uh, the Star Wars branches. I don't like Clone Wars, so I don't like Cl- Clone Wars. So I'm. Uh, <laughs> I think it's better than Clone Wars. One of the I I just didn't like Star Wars Clone Wars. Now Star Wars Rebels, I love. And how do I think it stands up? I mean. I think it is just as good story-wise and stuff like that. Now, obviously, Star Wars Rebels has a, has a deeper place in my heart because it's Star Wars. And, you know, before my love of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there's always been a love for Star Wars. So Star Wars Rebels, to me, is always is, is awesome. Right. Um, I didn't like Clone Wars. Uh, but the new show, I think it's real. Like, the TMNT, it's really good. They're in the fourth season right now. That's gonna end soon, um, so I mean, we'll see what they do from so there. But you gotta check it out. It's so it's so. so good. You think like, it's truer to these old you know, prints? Ah, oh, this, this older something. version of Nin- TMNT by Eastman and Laird. I th- I think I think that it's not. So well, it isn't. It's not. So I think that the new version. I mean, there's a lot of changes that the, the, the turtles have gone through um, over over the, its long history. Uh, if you would like to read, I, I just finished reading. Um, it's the it's like the it's called the complete visual history oh, nice. of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think I want to read it's that. It's such a good read. <laughs> it's like a really else. great. Before I touch anything else, uh-huh. turtles besides these, uh, <laughs> I think I want to read that visual history. It sounds nice. It's so. It's so fantastic. It, t- it gives you like a pretty comprehensive history. Um, there's also a documentary created called Turtle Power. It's like seven bucks on iTunes. Uh, it, it's not as comprehensive. It's it's a much more shortened version of the history, obviously, because it's a it's a documentary movie. Uh, but that's also a good place if you don't have you know if you don't want to spend like thirty bucks on a book or if you don't have the time to necessarily read it. Um, but I found the book super compelling, and I read it in like a like a week or two. Um, and it's got some really beautiful art and stuff in there, and gives you like a really good history of the turtles. Um, but so that being said, they've gone through a ton of incarnations, and the 2012 show I feel like combines all really? of the previous stuff perfectly while creating new nice. new continuity and new stuff. Like it, it pays. I mean, it's very similar. Look at. Teen Titans, you know it's the same creator, and at Teen Titans, like that TV show honored a lot of the previous Teen Titan versions and stuff like that, and like had a lot of homages to all of that kind of stuff, and it was really funny and really great. Um, so of course his next, you know, the next big thing he did, Turtles, does the same thing, and he might have done other stuff in between and stuff. I'm not sure, but um, but I remember reading in the visual history uh, that. He had worked on right. Teen Titans, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, so it's it's great. It's got a lot of great drama um, and everything. So to give a brief history of the Turtles, 
uh, before we dive into the comic. Um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created in like 1986, 87, by uh, Peter, uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Um, it was created, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the first issue, but um, they were created as <laughs> almost like a little bit of a spoof on on uh, like just like action comics and like action like and, like kung fu stuff and like just like kind of that like like a team violence yeah, all, totally all that kind of stuff there. and like you know that's kind of where it came from a lot of almost like a parody and, and it's very much things. like a, a parody of like daredevil as well um and I, and we'll go oh, through yeah. all the daredevil references that are in the teenage Mutant ninja turtles but um you know they were very inspired by the works of frank miller uh, Frank Miller was a huge influence yeah. on them. And then also Jack Kirby was a very big influence on them art-wise. Uh, it's wild to think about how far back Frank Miller oh, reaches. Totally. As an oh, artist. totally. I mean, Frank Frank Miller is... Even up to the day. I mean, the dude's old. So, I mean, yeah. his work is very prevalent. Early 80s, really, is when it starts being as prevalent as it is, like 83. So, you know, so um, it was created by these two guys, these friends, um... And then they create this first issue, and this first issue's original printing was only 3,000 copies, and they self-published it. So they borrowed money from Kevin Eastman's uncle, I believe, to pay for the printing <laughs> awesome. of this. And this wasn't their first comic. This was, like, their third. They'd come out with two oh, wow. comics called, uh, called Gobbledygook that were, like, short stories. Um was it in the same style? Because it looks like Eastman signed this cover here, like he's the artist. Well, it is in the same style, and, and, and I'll talk a little bit more in detail about the art. Um, but yeah, Eastman, it does look like, did the cover of the original TMNT. Right. Um, but, so they, uh, I'm trying to think. So then they create this, so th- they borrowed the money, they created this, they printed it, 3,000 copies, and they did, like, self-promotion, essentially. Like, they, like, had, um, they went to a Comic-Con, and they had the local newspaper, like, they called them and asked them to write a story about it, and they did all these things that kind of got it moving off the ground, and people started reading it, and, like, the 3,000 copies sold out, so they did a second printing, and then those sold nice. out, and they did a third printing, and like, talk about indie right? It was style. it's a hundred percent indie Effort. amazingness, and so it became a sensation. So then they, so then they did the next issue, right? And at the time, these guys were not working in comic books. Like these were two fans of comic books who were friends and wanted to do comic books. So, you know, like this was them trying their shot, uh, you know. Like, at the time, Kevin Eastman talks about how he was a lobster cook in Maine, you know, and it was summer. So, like, they did the first issue. He went back to Maine to be a, a lobster cook for the summer, you know? Like, that was his <laughs> summer gig. Yeah, I got to make You know, room. and so, like, that's kind of how, where these guys were at that point. Um, and then this hits it big, and so they're like, okay, well, maybe we could do this. And so then they, uh, you know, then they make a second a second issue and that does extremely well and they do a third and a fourth and a fifth um and then like sometime in there and like like the third fourth fifth uh, around like sixth seventh issue i think around maybe it's like fifth sixth uh 
but definitely I think in that first year of comics, they get approached by um, Surge Licensing, which was just one guy. I think his name is Mark Friedman or something like that. And he he is looking for a product to license. He's gone out on his own. He worked at licensing companies, and he's going out on his own trying to do his own thing, right? He sees this comic book and is like, I bet you I could market this. We could make toys yeah. and all this stuff. Like just the name alone, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, it's so this, new, new, unique and fun. Yeah, like, and it says so much in the title, and it's like it's so expressive, the title alone. You know, it, it, that he, he was like, I need to license this. So he shows up at, uh, to Mirage Studios. Uh, also, by the way, the reason it's called Mirage Studios, um, they originally – Created the comic book in Peter Laird's living room. Like, Peter Laird's house was where they were... And they're, like, young 20-something-year-old guys. Like, it wasn't like they were teenagers or something like that. Like, they're they're adults, and they had, like, lives right. and jobs and, and lot. I think, I think Peter Laird uh, had a girlfriend. Um, I don't think they were married yet. Uh, and so, it's not like... They had some big company, so they called their studio Mirage Studio as a joke because it was like it was a mirage. The studio wasn't really there; it was just in the living room. <laughs> um, it was just an inside joke. So, so I think I think I don't know if at that point they finally did have an actual office or if they were still in Peter Laird's house. But um, but the Mark Friedman, I believe, is that. I'm going to keep calling him that, and if I'm wrong, I apologize. But. He, he shows up and is like, I would love to license this stuff. And it was very, like, off the cuff. They were like, sure, if you can sell it, bring us a deal, and then we'll you can be yeah, our exclusive licensor. Mark. You know? It was, like, it was, like, very not, not like a memo, not like a business thing. It was like a, sure, if you think you can do this, let us know. Uh, and then he goes to a bunch of toy companies and, like, ends up at Playmates Toys. And Playmates Toys says, like, okay, I think we could potentially do this, but, like, you know, we would need a cartoon to go along with it. Like, to sell toys, oh, wow. we need a cartoon to yeah, sell the toys. Have a cartoon. And if you look at it, like, that's that was true, especially up at that point. It wasn't you have a cartoon. This in the 80s? And then, yeah, this <laughs> is the 80s. It's like 86. Um, it's like you you couldn't just have a toy line. Like, you needed a cartoon to promote the toy line. And so, like, look at the... The, the other examples and at that time that were true like that like you had the Thundercats um, yeah. you had He-Man He-Man was a toy line and then the the cartoon was created Huge to promote to, right, to promote the uh, the toy the cartoon promoted the toys and so the toys were even created. look at like cereals like uh, I don't know Rocking Bullwinkle places that that sold sugary cereals to kids well right that but but see Rocking Bullwinkle is an example of of it was a popular show. And they merchandised the show as opposed oh, to okay, gotcha. merchandise driving the sh- – like at that point it was the show driving the merchandise instead of the merchandise driving the show. And so that's what shows like He-Man, G.I. Joe, all those kinds of shows, Turtles, uh, those were com- giant commercials for toys. So like that's why like in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, they would have different vehicles. Why? Because that's another toy you can sell. <laughs> they have all these crazy characters that were created for the toy line. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, this this character needs to get in the cartoon because we need we need to sell this toy. <laughs> like that's you know uh, uh, that was very true at that time. A new motorized skateboard, or something. right? Something attachment, you know. And so that's kind of how that that's what drove. 
Like, and that was very true in the '80s. Is what drew of cartoons was toys. Um, now I think that stuff kind of works more in tandem, where I think stuff is created and then turned into toys depending on the show. I think that's very true. Um, but I, 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 you know, that I can't honestly speak to. But um, so at the time, uh, Mar- uh, Mark Friedman goes out. He gets a cartoon deal. And then comes back to Playmates Toys and says, great, look, we can get – I got a five-episode five, uh, cartoon deal. Playmates are like, great, we're in business. So that's how – and that's how this whole thing started. It was five episodes the first season of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And so how did he get a commitment for people to make the show? Uh, he went to a, he went to a, um, a cartoon – I can't remember the correct terminology. It was like a, like a cartoon creator, like – and said, "Hey, would you guys make this show?" And like got like a deal to air the the show. So like they had like a, yeah. I think it was on CBS. Uh, they aired. It was one week. They aired all five episodes one after the next in that week. Like, and that's how they did it. Uh, and that's how they sold it. And it was huge. Uh, kids loved it. The toys were selling out like crazy. And it was amazing. And then it was actually only – it was going to stop at those five episodes. And and Mark Friedman was like, you're crazy. We have a hit show here. We need to make more shows because – Yeah, yeah. Because then we can sell more toys. Like we have to like keep it going, keep it going. Let's keep this gravy train rolling. And so that's what happened. He ended up – that's what they ended up doing. So uh, – sorry. I'm getting a text message from my wife. Um, so I gotta respond to this. Um, so anyways. Turtle power. Turtle power. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, he really drove the bus on getting, getting the turtles off the ground. So he, so he goes from, uh, you know, he goes from like all these deals and like is working with Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman and like getting stuff approved and like just like it really grew and blew up, right? Uh, so that's like eighty seven, I think, is when the first season comes out. Eighty seven, eighty eight uh, goes strong for like a couple of years, um, for like from like eighty seven and eighty eight, and then starts slowing in eighty eight because of the Batman movie. And then kids uh, are starting to get into Batman, like so it was like okay, Tim Turtles, Burton Tim Burton, yep, eighty yeah. <laughs> nine, and so. They they said that they noticed a slow decline in, like, stores stopped buying turtle stuff um, and selling turtle stuff because Batman stuff was in. Kids are wearing – instead of wearing turtles T-shirts, now they're wearing Batman T-shirts. And so Mark Friedman was like, we need to get a movie. We need to get a movie <laughs> made now, and we nice. need to get a movie made quickly. Yeah. And so that's when they made the first Turtles movie in Man, 1990. what a guy. What a brand manager. Right. Oh, 100%. Like, he is as responsible for the Turtles' success as Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Wow. Like, you know, and, and obviously Peter and Laird laid the groundwork, but Mark Friedman did the did the footwork of getting it out there and, right. get, like, surge licensing. I mean, it, it, absolutely incredible, you know, uh, what they were able to do with this, uh, with this amazing idea. So, so they... Um, they make the movie. Movie's a hit. Movie makes a ton of money. So immediately they make a sequel, Secret of the U's, right? Uh, now, 
while you and I have fond memories of Secret of the Ooze, <laughs> Kevin Eastman... <laughs> was that Eastman, the first one? That, was the well, Secret one? of the Ooze is the second one. What's the first the, one called? It's just Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Really? Yep. Yeah, okay, now I remember. Like, they had the two, like, glass vials of oozes for, like, the two in no. one of the posters. Did they not? Was nope. that not a poster that they had? Oh, oh, wait, oh, for, for the second movie? Yeah, the second movie. Like, they had, like, I've, the two canisters for, like, signaling turtles, too. I've, I've never seen that. I've never oh, seen I, that poster. It, all right, I'll include it if I find it. If not, then it doesn't exist, and I'm crazy, but... I remember you're like those, you're like those people. I, have you heard about these people that think that like um, that uh, what's his name Sinbad yeah. was in a movie in the '90s called Shazam as a genie? And he's, not, he's totally not that guy. Well, well no, there's no that this movie doesn't exist. Like it does not exist. <laughs> and there's a ton of kids like and people like adults who like maintain that they think it existed and like they are like can like remember scenes from the movie and like all this stuff and like the only I am kind of remembering what you're talking about but tell me what's but, like, not it, true about it. It doesn't exist. Like like Sinbad was never a genie in any movie. Now there <laughs> is a movie called Kazam starring Shaquille O'Neal. And so like that's that <laughs> Isn't must that be weird, what, man. But like, but like, there are people who maintain no. I know, I know, Kazam was a movie, and it was a different movie, and Kazam was a ripoff of Shazam with Sinbad, and they like truly believe it, <laughs> and like they remember like going over to friends' house, like they, like people are like, oh, I remember going over to my friend's house or renting it from the video store, and remember like not wow. liking Kazam but liking Shazam, and like they 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 liken it to. To a Bug's Life and Ants, you yeah, know how like, yeah, both yeah. those movies came out around the same time, and, and Ants is a ripoff of a Bug's Life, like kind of as the same thing. You could so, you could have fooled me, like you could have said that uh, Shazam was a was a movie with Sinbad in it, where he's a genie. Like you could have fooled me. That that just goes to show show you like how pliable our memories are, like to make them whatever yeah. whatever we so, think we remember. Look, and I just looked look up the up. I just looked up Secret of the Use. I think I'm completely crazy about that. Um, there is like a broken canister on the on the on cover. the poster, yes. Yeah, but, yeah. But there's but, no but two. There's no like two with the canisters. Right? <laughs> now there is also the the cover of the VHS. There's a couple different ones too. Yeah, the cover of the VHS was a two. It was a number two, and right. the turtles are popping out from the inside of that two, right, and that's right. what I always think of. When I think of the poster, like I actually printed that poster out at work and <laughs> yeah. have it hanging on my wall. <laughs> That's awesome. I also have the original movie poster hanging on my wall as well, as long as well as several pages from this first issue. I have printed out and put it on my wall as well. But anyways, so Secret of the Use comes out. It is Peter Lairs and Kevin Eastman's least favorite of the Turtle movies. They hate that <laughs> I movie. I love that movie so like, much. I love that movie so much too. But they like they viewed it as it took. The first movie was so serious and so close to the comic, and the second movie is more close to the cartoon. Yeah, a lot yeah. more jokes. It's not as a lot more yucks. Not as dark for sure. Uh, yeah, yuck. and so and so they hated that. Um, to me, and then there's isn't the third that wild? movie. Because to me, that's the Ninja Turtles. Like they're the zany, like kooky. Yeah, Michelangelo's eating the pizza and just like has the one-liners. <laughs> and, I, and I love that about uh, the Ninja Turtles, but that's interesting. So, so then there's the third movie, The Turtles in Time, which they like a lot more. Which most people say is not is the is the the worst of the Turtles movies. They think it's the second best. 
So they think like in in their rating system, it's the first one, the third one, and then the second one is last. Uh, which I just found interesting. Uh, so then those movies made, the third one comes out, it doesn't do as well. Turtle movies are kind of done. Then what happens is they make um, okay. So then so that happens, and then after that the cartoon keeps going for a few years and then the cartoon is done as well after like nine or ten seasons i think it's ten seasons uh the, the turtles cartoon is done right in like 90 that's like sort of like the rounded characters and the cartoony like not a serious yep. look that's what everybody thinks about when they think of turtles yeah, yeah, usually that's my ninja um, turtles at least our, so to yeah speak. at least our age so then what happens is there's no more turtles cartoon no movies are coming out. They decide to adapt an idea that was going to be for the fourth movie into a television show um, where there's – it turns out there's a fifth turtle. Let me know if you remember the show because I definitely watched this show when it was on. It was called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Next Mutation. Uh, and Was it, it animated featured or a fifth, live action? It, it's live action. Oh, it's I animated. might have. Yeah, it's, I might remember that. It, but that might be like the another Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's it's a live action television show that featured a fifth female turtle named Venus de Milo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was it and a chick? It, it was a of girl. Course. It was a female turtle. <laughs> and I, I watched it, and it was like it was made by Saban, the guys that make uh, the Power Rangers. You know, I just uh, I just show. noticed here that Jim Henson's Creature Shop supplied central characters for some of the sh- movies. So I wonder if they did well, that he, show he, too. They they um no they didn't do the show. They made the costumes for the first two movies yeah, the suits, and they did those the puppeteering. Awesome they made the, the puppeteering for um, Splinter as well. Actually, it's funny the Kevin Clash, the guy who did Elmo, right? Um, it was is the voice of Splinter and was the puppeteer for Splinter as well in the first two oh, movies. Wow. The third movie is not Jim Henson's uh, Creature Shop. It was a kind of like more. It was I think it was All Creatures Shop or something like that. And you could definitely tell the quality difference between Jim Henson and but that one. Yet the creators thought it was second best. Well, that's because they liked the story. So, <laughs> anyways, so so the next mutation. Uh, is made. It's only one season, and Peter Laird hated it. He did not want there to be a female turtle. Like he was absolutely against it, and he and he will never. Like he, I think he said in a quote somewhere that he would never forgive Eastman for talking him into allowing that to happen. <laughs> um, in the comic books, at this point, the comics are still going. Um, at this point, I believe in the history of the tur- turtles, they're no longer being published at Mirage. They let Image publish them for a little bit. Um, some Image creators, and they were very Image-like books. Like they were very violent and crazy. Um, I think at one point Raphael becomes the leader of the Foot Clan. What? How dark. Uh, and and Donatello becomes like a cyborg, and Leonardo loses a hand, and like it becomes like, you know, oh, and also Raphael starts wearing a mask because his face is scarred. Like it's like it gets real dark. Wow. Um, and so you know, very image, especially in the nineties. Uh, so that's what's happening in the comics at that point. Uh, then all that stuff kind of ends. It's like ninety eight. 
uh, and I believe around there is when, or maybe it was like 2000, 2001, around there is when Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman, I mean, their friendship had been turbulent since the late 80s. After everything got big, you know, it's just like people grew apart. They wanted to do was different things. Was there like things. a Jobs Wozniak friction between no. the two well, at any point? No, no, because they were both, I mean, so they both were the writers and artists. Like, they both are writers and artists of the Turtle stuff. Like, especially this first book, well, I think that's like the first ten books, they both did art and inking and all that stuff. Like, like it's very hard to see where Kevin Eastman starts and ends and where Peter Laird started and ended. Like, their art just melded together so well. Wow, that's unique. That, like... That's... It's, it's it, like they that would really like, happens. One, absolutely. Like one person would start a page, pass it to the wow. next person, and then that other person would like keep going with the page. Like, and that's it was so so collaborative. And that's in the same style as really the one we're today, the Turtles issue one. Well, that I mean, it's a hundred percent is that style. Is like for the first ten issues that they did, that's how it was, and then by that point. Um, they were just so busy that, like, starting with, I think, like, issue 11 or whatever, uh, they started alternating. And that's where you really see the style start to deviate into their own kind of styles. Because you start getting turtles that look slightly different. Um, and then different from each other because they weren't combining and, like, you really start to see sections of each of the of the stuff that you see in the first 10 issues, you start seeing it fractured and like go to a little bit more extremes and become a little different. It's really interesting to, to read um, in chronological order and kind of look at the art and examine Yeah, it's interesting art. in this particular um, issue that we're talking about today in the older TMNT, uh, the color class, classics here, that they all have the red. Uh, I think this is well known from a lot of Turtle fans that they all have the, the red... Uh, bandana instead of the different color that like takes place later in the cartoon and the video games. I know we didn't talk much about the video games, right. but I'm I'm just guessing, uh, and you maybe know that like when those picked up. I guess they picked up around the same time as the animated series because they look so much like those character designs. Well, the video games definitely came after the animated. So the animated series was the first big thing, and that is where the colors. Uh, headbands came from was the animated series because they needed the turtles to be able to be told right. apart. Besides yeah. just their weapons, so that's why they did that, and they also put the initials on the belt buckles, um, and then the video games came from there, and that's where the colors come from. And like every iteration of the turtles, pretty much that has those X-Men colors. X Men are now. probably my favorite side scrollers from that era. Oh, so good! They're so good. Uh, so, so after Kevin Eastman sells his rights to Peter Laird. Peter Laird does more stuff with the Turtles and continues to do stuff, and that's when they start doing the 2003 animated show, which was done by 4Kids Entertainment, which also did shows like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and all that stuff. So um, they do the 2003 animated series, which is awesome. It's very much uh, a collaborative effort between Peter Laird and that company. That did that. The show. Yeah, four quick kids. side note about four so kids. So he had a big I hand in that, it. Well, I know Disney was a big part about uh, has had a big role in bringing Studio Ghibli films over here. But I think Four Kids also distributes. I don't know if it's their merchandise or what, but they're a big part of bringing Studio Ghibli stuff over here from Japan. Interesting. 
So they also um, so they do that show. That show lasted for a while, and it culminated with the the made for video movie Turtles Forever, which is awesome if you've ever seen it. Um, it is it's the old turtles from the original cartoon meeting the 2003 series turtles and they team up to beat shredder because uh, the 2003 shredder is like a it's a different version i don't want to spoil anything for people who want to go watch the show but you know he's he's much more badass than the the car- the original 80s cartoon turtle um shredder so they team up they to defeat him and they actually end up going to the prime universe, which is the original comic book universe, and it's black and white. And they meet the original so turtles, cool. and it's it's pretty fantastic. It's it's an awesome movie. If you're a turtles fan, go check it out. You don't need to watch any of the 2003 show to to get it. Um, it's it's all pretty explained, so you're fine in that regard. Uh, so so that culminates in that, and that's in around 2000. Seven or eight or something like that, and then that's when Peter Laird uh, decides that he's you know, it's time to sell. It's time to go do other things. He's he's done with the turtle stuff. He felt like he had come full circle. He felt like he said everything he had to say. So he sells it to Viacom in two thousand nine, and then Viacom starts rebuilding the Turtles Empire. So uh, IDW now puts out turtle all the Turtles comics. Um, and they're awesome. Like the the new the IDW series, I just started reading. It's pretty phenomenal. Um, they do like interesting things and kind of is a refresh, new look at all the turtles. Uh, and then and then there's the movies that we talked about in the TV show. So that's kind of the history of turtles. Um, and this is the source material what we're reviewing for. So I know we're 42 minutes in and we haven't started reviewing what we're going to talk about, but. I feel like just the context, especially because it was such a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, it really was. I think in large uh, part because of it, it's I, such a novelty. It's so new and unique. Like, never before in the in the universe, probably. Maybe in nobody else's mind. We don't know that. We can't say that for sure. But the no, in nobody else's mind was this idea culminated that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, so unique right. and It's so unique. Remarkable. And and one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because we, we keep talking in these episodes about indie and about um, kind of the punk rock nature of a lot of these comic books and, and how interesting that stuff is. And this is definitely a prime example of that. Like these are two kids, I mean young 20-something-year-olds who just love comic books, drew, drew a comic book, a 40-page comic book. Sold it on their own for a buck fifty a piece, and and created and, and started an empire essentially of this this cultural phenomenon. But it was just two guys, you know. Uh, and, and it's just it, it really speaks to the power yeah, of yeah. a good idea. And so that's why you know that's why I wanted to do a little bit of the history just so we could really we could really examine the history of this. And the cultural impact that this issue has had. So uh, let's, I guess, let's begin. Um, so what do you? Well, yeah, let's begin talking about this specific issue. So what do you think it is about? Um, oh, it says. All, the, what do you think it, it says is on the about? Back of mine that it's 1984. 
So, yeah. so this came out in 1984. Cover. Okay. All right. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. What were you saying? Uh, no, it's fine. What you th- what you think about why that novel idea, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, took off? Like, what about it is so endearing and like wacky? I guess that it's. I mean, it's it's on face value clearly a wacky thing. Yeah. But yeah, what I do think, you think about I that? think it's one. I think the name. I think if it didn't have such a cool name, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, is such an awesome name. That yeah, like if fantastic. it didn't have that name, I think it would have failed, and then I, and then I think it's I, th- I think that name helps sell it right right then and there. the The secondary thing I think is just I mean the the turtle the look of the turtles you know one of the reasons I, I think that I think that the two thousand fourteen and sixteen movie of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would have done way better if the turtles looked different like I I mean. Personally, that's that's just my opinion. Um, that was my only complaint. My my biggest complaint with that movie was the way the turtles look. I didn't like it. You know, I could have. I, I didn't fr- like it either, and I don't know how it, how well it did in the box office or financially. But I don't did think okay, it went over very well in the you know, in the culture, like the I, people I, who love TMNT. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think they just got a little too off book with the look. You know, like if you look in. At these turtles, they yeah, still kind broke, of look. You know, don't they, fix it. Like right, and they and they look a certain way in these issues uh, that I feel like it goes a little too too far. Like I feel like in all the incarnations, they stay very similar to this, and of course they change depending on the medium and the style and all stuff. But I still think that they still stay pretty close and true to this. So yeah, I like the new like the new three D animated show that you brought up. I actually I like that those character designs as well. And, and it's actually, fun. that was one of the things where originally I didn't, and that's why I didn't watch the show originally. They're kind of boxy. Right, and I, and, and, and I just didn't like the style of it. I, was, I wasn't into it. Um, and so I was like, I, and I also, the thing that bugs me, and it still kind of bugs me, but not as much anymore, but the gap in Donnie's teeth. <laughs> I was like, why does he have a gap in his teeth? I get it. It's to make him look nerdier, I guess, because he's the supposed to be the smart one i don't care like 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 that is the kind of stuff that i i totally judged it by its cover i didn't see it i started working at nickelodeon and i was like okay well you know what maybe i'll start watching this because i work a lot on um because i work in the promos department and so we make a lot of promos for episodes and stuff like that and um and so i watched a couple episodes and i was like this isn't bad let me go back and start from the beginning watch the episodes get familiar with it and i started watching it they're on hulu right now the first three seasons and they're great. They're hilarious. They're full of heart. I mean, it's it's good. I highly recommend watching Interesting. it. Um, so I think I think it's just the design, the concept, and, and the name. I think are what really what really propelled this throughout has propelled this for the last thirty years. Yeah, it's it's the idea of a ninja that is a creature that's slow and generally not that quick. <laughs> Yeah. Is also like the dichotomy or like the oxymoron of turtle and ninja, <laughs> uh, and the fact that they're teenagers <laughs> and they're mutants. They're all these sort of combined things that are really novel and interesting to read about. Uh, yeah, I, just, I think they're endearing. I've I've always thought that since I was a kid. So so in the original version of the of the book, it was black and white, right? Right. Uh, so. The black and white version, the only color they paid for was the red on the cover. So here is my 
copy of the black right, and white right. version. As you can see, it's got it's got red, black and white on the cover. You got uh, some blood on the sword, for. and then the up shadows yeah. are red. It's really cool. It has a lot of mood. Um, and and I, I mean, I think that co- the cover it, it's awesome. That classic pose. I think I like that cover better than the colored cover. <coughs> Although the I like the colors throughout the I haven't read the black and white but I, I enjoy the colors throughout the color classic version just yeah. maybe not the color the cover of it. So the col- the color classic version as well. Um, just to talk about that is the art was done by or the colors were done by Tom Smith Scorpio Scorpion Studios, uh, and they do honestly a fantastic job. I feel like with coloring it, like it makes the art it feels like. Like it, it marries with the art really well, which I think can be hard sometimes, especially when you're coloring a comic that has always been in black and white and was made in black and white and made for black and white. Right. Like I feel like coloring it sometimes can like you lose some of that art quality. And I feel like with the color classics, you don't. So right yeah, off the bat, I think I think it works. Um, so you know, you open the book up and right there, first page. You're seeing the turtles in their stances, you know, about to fight. Yeah, the iconic uh, action stance of the turtles. Yeah, and then I love you turn this to the style second too. I know that we haven't really talked about like what's different from this style and the one we grew up with. We did we touched on a little bit, but I really dig the grittiness of it, like the the boxiness of like I love their three hands and their two toes, like the way they grab and manipulate. And the way they jump around and like are in their different ninja poses, that part that part is so cool. That and works. and I think a lot of this grittiness too can be attributed to Frank Miller. Like this is very similar to Frank Miller's style. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah totally. You can see the influence of Frank Frank Miller, his pin and, style. And, it, and again, like we talked about, um, th- like this art was created by both of them. Like this truly is Eastman and Laird. Like it's not like one person wrote and one person drew. Like they both drew and they both wrote and. I mean, like, it's, like this is a true collaboration, which is not easy. Um, which, I mean, again, they only did it for ten issues, really, before they, they, they were having disagreements of what the stories should be. So, I mean, it's, it's not easy, but it, it comes out in an amazing fashion, you know? We find the Turtles are fighting a gang called the Purple Dragons, who show up in many of the incarnations uh, of, of the Turtles as a... As a um, a gang, sometimes they're ninjas, but mostly the purple dragons are just a gang. Uh, and so they're fighting the, you know, they're fighting them, and you kind of just see these awesome action poses. And, yeah, that that one in particular and, and seems them. very Frank Miller. I mean, like there there's this page um, where Raphael is doing like this kick jump. Um, I think it's yes. page five, and that seems so Frank Miller. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think he did. He do some Electra work. Frank Miller, cr- Frank Miller created the character. Of okay, Electra. well, even better. Uh, this just seems very so, electric, Electra esque, like the jump and the yeah. kick and the size that they're using in their hands. Well, and again, this book was heavily influenced by Frank Miller's run on Daredevil. Like right. they've always said that, and that, and you, and that's going to be seen throughout here. So, like Raphael with the size, uh, I think is very indicative yeah, I love of this that. Page. Um, but we see like this great page of them standing there uh, after their battle, swords bloody, and the police show up and they <laughs> yeah. run. You know, and and like I think it's very interesting. Like they so they immediately set them up. They say, you know, we would hate to. We don't. 
want to run from our allies or for those who would be our allies, but they just wouldn't understand us. Like right there, it sets up the feeling that you get when you're a teenager and that (laughs) these teenagers have the same thing as well. Like you don't understand me (laughs) and you would never understand. And yeah, interesting. And I love just the exposition is really, really nice. I think the way they explain how they, they recede back into the, and the way it's drawn is really great too, how they jump back into the, the manhole and then cover themselves back up to fade away. That was really great. And I and I absolutely love this this page that they drew the next yeah. page um, page nine where it's just a city. It's like I love the style of their drawing of the yeah, city. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's so, it's so good. It's just like the the quiet after the storm, and then you can see the manhole that they slid down into. Uh, then I love I love this, and I've never seen this in any incarnation of the show, but. Uh, I love that they have a brick wall that like opens <laughs> it's up like open into their lair. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I'm like that. I'm like, who created that? Yeah, what sort like, of that, technology? That seems expensive. Behind this, it's expensive. <laughs> but Splinter has it like as his main door, and his fair his chair is just facing. <laughs> he's facing right, like he's just waiting for him door. to come home. Uh, good. Um, Splinter here, uh, first appearance. Uh, and, and and right away we get we get the backstory. Now, do you remember the origin story from the cartoon for Splinter? No, mostly Secret of the Ooze. Okay, so in so in the original cartoon, Splinter was originally uh, Yoshi, and he was turned into oh, a rat wow. by what the mutagen instead of instead of this version where. Uh, Yoshi was the rat's owner, um, Splinter's owner, and Splinter would mimic his actions in his cage, and that's how he learned ninjutsu. <laughs> I think Secret of the Ooze so mimicked little, this, right? Didn't it? Didn't it have those scenes? Yeah, so, well, where the rat was doing the well, moves. The, yeah, that's the original movie. That's not Secret oh, of the Ooze. Oh man, Us. I'm so mixed up. <laughs> you gotta been watch those again, the man. They're brother. good. Uh, I, I since the '90s, I just watched them last week. <laughs> Clearly should have. Uh, and they, and they're good, but um, but yeah, they do this in the movie. Like the movie, the first movie at least is heavily adapted from the first few issues of the Turtles, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, like there's a rat mimicking now. So in that, so in those versions, in this version, Splinter was a pet rat and becomes a human. In the cartoon, Splinter was, uh, Splinter was. A human who got turned into a rat, and that's part of the turtle's motivation is trying to get Shredder to turn um, their master back into a human. Huh. Then there is the movie version, which also mimics this. I don't remember the 2003 version. I think he was a rat. I don't think he was a human in the 2003 cartoon. But in the new cartoon, they go back to the original cartoon's origin of Splinter, and he was. He was a human who got turned into a rat. And then you also um, have this ooze technology changing the turtles? Yeah, well, so the turtles just become more human-like because of the, because of the ooze, the yeah. mutagen, the whatever you want to call it, um, and, and, and which is a constant throughout all of the... I mean, the ooze is like almost a character yeah. in all of these incarnations of the turtles. Oh, and... Oh, in the new IDW series, it does a weird hybrid of all of these origins. The new IDW weird. series, spoiler alert, obviously, uh, Splinter 
was originally a human, and all four turtles were humans. Like, they, they were his sons. Oh, wow. And then they're killed in, like, ancient Japan and reincarnated into... The oh, Teenage like Mutant that. Ninja Turtles cool. and Splinter. That, is, that it's sounds cool. cool. It's it's like it's like a cool yeah, explanation. Cool. You should you should check them out. Uh so you know so but in this origin, we're learning that you know Hamato Yoshi is Splinter's owner, and he has a rival who is uh, I want to get this name Oroku yeah, Nagi. Yeah, got it. So in Japan as well, uh, the last name is first. So Yoshi is his first name. So he's um, his name is Hamato Yoshi. So Yoshi is his first name. Hamato is his last name. And this, his rival is Oroku Nagi. So Nagi is his we're first both name. Pining Oroku over the is his last woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Classic love That's triangle. Right. You know, uh, Tang Tang Shin, uh, who who loves Yoshi, kind hearted. You know, loves him. That's the guy. So Yoshi one day comes to find that uh, Nagi has is beating up Tang Shen. And, you know, Yoshi loses control, kills Oroku Nagi. Right? Nagi's younger brother, Oroku Saki, then vows revenge on Yoshi... And trains and becomes the head of the Foot Clan. Just an overall badass. And in the Foot Clan. And 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 vows to get revenge. Revenge. So he becomes the Shredder. The Shredder. And then, and and he goes and he kills uh, both Tang Shen and uh, and uh, Hamato Yoshi. And uh, Splinter gets you know his cage gets knocked and he becomes he gets freed. And so he scurries away. But never forgetting, you know, his loving master has just been killed by this guy, by Shredder. Uh, which this is... Yeah, and his wife. And, and murdered. And the wife. Now, this is an interesting thing because in most versions, the Oroku Nagi character does not exist. I'm pretty sure in every version, Oroku Nagi does not exist. They combine Oroku Saki and Oroku Nagi's characters into one character. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I can just, see you doing that. It's just like an interesting thing. Makes it I, cleaner. I, it makes it cleaner, easier for kids to understand. Totally. You know, um, but like here you you see the Foot Clan, right? The Foot Clan is a parody of uh, the the ninjas that are in Daredevil, which are called the Hand. Oh wow! <laughs> I didn't know that. And so, like, wow. like Daredevil's ninja ne- nemesis, and and you see them in the Netflix Daredevil TV show. Uh, were the hand. So this was a joke. It was the foot. <laughs> I um, love the foot in Secret of the Use. I wanted uh, to be a foot, man. Wasn't that a, wasn't that cool? Like those, like the rogue kids that wanted to be a ninja. Like I totally wanted to quit school and be a ninja, man. That dude, was, that again, cool. that's the first movie. You really need it. <laughs> is it really the first movie? Yes. No, get out. A hundred percent is. Oh, fun fact: Sam Rockwell is in that movie as one of those kids. Wow. Yeah, you got to watch it again. Clearly. I, I, that's my homework. <laughs> uh, so, so then, you know, in the comic we see 
splinters rifle around the trash, and then we see a blind man crossing the street about to be hit by a, a, a you know <laughs> yeah. a, a car. Um, what happens is, is that this is the origin of Daredevil that Frank Miller wrote. Like this is how Daredevil gets blinded. He saves a blind man from crossing the street, I believe. Um, and so if you notice, like the canister comes out and hits this kid in the eyes, you know, and so specifically in a, near his eyes. Yeah. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a joke on the daredevil origin where it's like an ice. Originally it was like an isotope a radioactive isotope hits him in the eyes and he goes blind from that. Um, and so, but like, I don't think that they ever show, show what happens after it hits Matt Murdock in the eye. So this is essentially what happens afterwards. It's, it's a canister. Instead, it bounces, hits a kid holding turtles in a jar, and those turtles fall to the ground and get all oozed up. The secret of the ooze. And, and then, you know, uh, you know uh, Splinter finds them and gathers them up in a coffee can like to try and protect them and get them out of the ooze, getting the ooze on himself. And then he realizes that, you know, like after a couple of days, he's getting bigger, they're getting bigger. And then that's when he decides to, uh, you know, turn them into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. <laughs> so, Ninja Turtles. So, yeah, that's awesome. I, mean, I love the shot of them the, on page 18. Yeah, that's the origin. Um, and it's great. It's simple, it's clean, but again, it's like completely tied to Daredevil. <laughs> and it, now that you like you mentioned that, um, that makes a lot of sense of why they're like up on building corners. Like, yeah, it, all of those shots are like really reminiscent of Daredevil shots, and uh, yeah, and so, <laughs> the lighting and, and, and everything. Yeah, it's very Daredevil. And so, uh, and so, then it was decided that. Um, or well, so then Splinter says it is time to get our revenge on Arokusaki, the Shredder, uh, and so they they challenge Shredder, and then Shredder meets them on a building. And, and right now I'm looking at page 26, and it's just such a badass outfit for Shredder. You know what I mean? Like this first kind of visage yeah, of Shredder. That is cool. Like him I, I love standing that they, there. for the most part, that they keep this character design throughout different incarnations. I and mean, the, it's just you remember such a the good Super one. Shredder? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and, and here's the thing. One of the great things about the 2012 series is they bring a lot of those re- references in from all versions. So Super Shredder is in Secret of the Use. There's also a Super Shredder in the 2012 Nickelodeon series. Oh, that's badass. And so they introduced him during this fourth season. What about the wolf uh, and, like, the other turtle? So uh, that's Toka and, Ra- and Razar. Yeah. Um, I had those they have, toys for They sure. have Razar in the 2012 series. He's one of Shredder's henchmen. Oh, he's in the cartoon? That's so cool. Yeah. And, like, and of course, they're different. It's a, it's a different version than, you know, because in the 2012 series, uh humans get mutated into these animals. So it was a human who was mutated into Razar. But it's still really cool. That's cool. That's a cool callback. You know? And then and they also have Rocksteady and Bebop. But like but like again, it's a different Rocksteady and Bebop. So it's cool because it's like it's these characters you loved as a kid, but they're refreshed up so that they're different. That is cool. And they're unique. like remixed a little bit. Yeah, I should yeah. check that out. You gotta check I out gotta the show. Check it it's out so now. good. Yeah. 
So so then you find uh, Shredder is joined by the Foot, and they're and and they start this awesome battle, like page like twenty eight and twenty nine. This awesome two page spread of the turtles fighting the Foot. Man, it's awesome. Yeah, that is. You know, that it's is just like really, a fun, really cool spread. A fun action shot, and then the, you know, then the the turtles are defeating these guys. Now, here's the thing to also note that like the turtles are straight up like killing these guys. Yeah, they are. Like the turtles are, are vicious. They're they're, they're ninja. They're warriors. They are not the friendly. No, it's uh, way darker than the cartoon and the yeah. in the live actions that I saw the first. And and the other thing. The other thing to note that is in the cartoons, in a lot of the cartoons, the foot are robots. Oh, you can do so that. So they don't have to be as as nice to robots. Right. Uh, but in here, they're, they're humans. Yeah, there's blood so splattering. There's a lot of slicing and dicing. Over. Yeah, yeah. For sure. It's and very the, graphic. The part about that is when they get down to, and you'll get to this in a minute, but when they get down to where they could slay Shredder... They're like, hold on, wait a minute. We're gonna give you a little bit of mercy, but they've just mercilessly slaughtered his whole Foot Clan. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was funny. So it's and you know, so then they start battling Shredder, and Shredder is is badass, and he's you know, and he's not taking it. So then they have to work together. Of course, you know, four must become one right. Turtle power, man. and work together to get him Turtle Power, and uh, and they've they've pretty much got him beaten. And and what's the the guy do? You know, instead of instead of dying with honor, uh, he pulls out a grenade. Oh yeah! And he's like, "I'm going to kill the all of way. you." And uh, and so and then Donatello just I love the, I love the shot on uh, it's like towards the end it's like the second to last page where Donatello just throws his bow staff, <laughs> knocks the guy in the jaw, Yuck. knocks him off the yeah. building, and then bam, blows up. He him and his uh, him and his bomb blow up. It's fantastic. Uh, they offer and him then, some poo first, which is great. Right. And uh, he doesn't take it. He tries no, to kill him, and he, he gets his comeuppance in the end. Um, but uh, and then and then there it, that's it. Like it's crazy. First issue, they kill the main villain, Shredder, the main villain in all of the history <laughs> of the Turtles. They kill him right here, first issue, uh, which is nuts. Yeah, that's that. I mean, again, they made this thinking that this was only going to be a one-off. Like, and that's why it's such a complete story. Um, it's all it's all just one. And this last page, I absolutely love this last page. That it's you know, it says we are the teenage mutant ninja turtles. We strike hard and fade away into the night. That's awesome. And yeah. it's all four of them standing there. And like, you know, it's a beautiful composition. That's not easy I to have do to tell the story in forty pages like that. Forty written and illustrated it's, it's, pages. It's a, Full story. Yeah, it's a complete full story, wonderfully told. Um, you know, and it's and it's interesting to see one how much is here in terms of the stuff that that we would later know about the turtles. Shredder is here, Splinter is here, all four turtles are here. You know, Leo's the leader. The Foot Clan. Um, the Foot Clan are in here. Like it's like it's like that's all the basis of like stuff that you know about the turtles. It's all in this first forty-page issue, uh, which is powerful. Now, obviously, there's a lot of other stuff that isn't and in here, like the character development. One hundred percent. Is this our first one hundred percent technically independent piece that we reviewed? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because this was put out by 
by two guys who borrowed money to print it. Um, I'd say they made their money and back. Like, the, like, oh, yeah, and then some. I mean, those guys are rich. You know, it's it's fantastic. Uh, and they deserve it, though. I mean, this is a this is a great work. It's a masterpiece of a... Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not on the same... It's it, it's not, like, the same type of masterpiece as the last thing that we reviewed, Habibi. But in its own right, it it's is a masterpiece, I would say. It's original. It's different. It's a very, very different it's original, in its, its idea different. of what it wants to succeed at. Its execution is tight. Like, it's it's... It's it's all here, you know. The only thing that I would say that isn't in this, that like everybody knows about the turtles, is there's no April O'Neil. Oh yeah. Who April comes in this? She comes in a second no pizza issue. No pizza. Th- there's no pizza, which was created due to the cartoon pizza hut endorsement that was introduced in the cartoon. <laughs> well, one Pizza Hut endorsement was just because they live in New York. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite openings, uh, man. A New York to pizza. A 90s movie. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, Secret of the Use. Okay, that one okay, is Secret good. Of the I've Use. like one for you got five. that one right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, what other things are aren't in here that you would know? I mean, the Krang aren't in here, like Krang and uh, that alien race. Which in this in the comic book series they're called the Utram. Uh, in the cartoon, it was the One, and he's known as, he's known as Krang. And in the new series, he's also known as Krang. Uh, all of them are known as Krang. Like, they have multiple. It's just like an alien race. And what it's about, like, the, the, the rhino and the, uh, the rhino character? Rocksteady, Rocksteady okay, and Bebop. Okay, yeah, you got him covered then. And uh, it, it's the alien character, the, the Krang you're talking about, like, the one who lives in the stomach. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's 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 right. Krang. So, I mean, like, so that stuff, that is what... And, and then also personality-wise, like... I mean, even the intro of the original show, you know, Leonardo leads, Donatello does machines. Raphael is cool but rude. Uh, Michelangelo is a party yeah, dude. That stuff <laughs> we, we haven't quite seen yet in this first issue. You know, like, Leonardo clearly is the leader. Um, but we don't see anything that to make us think that Donatello does machines or <laughs> that Michelangelo is a party right, dude. Nothing. Um, we, do get a, we do get a bit of Raph... Raph's temper right. a little, but like nothing crazy, um, and so that's you know so all this stuff is really just starting, uh, but it's it's incredible to see how much was already there on the page. Yeah, first came out issue. of these two guys, the majority of it. Now what? So what do you think? So reading this, obviously you, this is the first time you read this. What was your thoughts after you finished reading it? So I'd been wanting to read it for a while. After I saw it come out in that full collection, I think I saw it in Barnes and Noble graphic novel section or something, and that had been explained to me by other people that this is the the origin story, you know, the very first of TMNT. So I was drawn to it obviously because I had so much experience with the uh, in the '90s with the cartoon and with uh, the live actions and just like totally being a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle nut um, that. I wanted to read it. I wasn't sure about the style when I first came across it because it just was so different from what I knew in the 90s as a kid loving the Turtles. But, you know, as I read it now, as more of an adult, I can really appreciate the grittiness and the, the style of it and the the indie nature of, like, these characters and that how hard it is to put together a story in 40 pages like this. 
and really the the novelty of it. Um, yeah, I, I super appreciate how unique it is. Uh, I don't think I appreciated that enough or as much probably when I was a younger kid in the '90s. Um, just like a just like a grade school kid, um, but but yeah, it, it translated and it was it felt like the turtles still, but it felt honestly a lot more like adult turtles. <laughs> a, lot a lot more, more bad, badass. a lot more blood, a lot of scrapes and killing and slicing and yeah. dicing in these turtles, which I appreciate. I mean, I really like <laughs> the I like the style too. It's just it's not my style probably or something that I gravitate toward, but it's. Mm-hmm. Um, given to like the indie punk nature of this podcast, it does feel that way. Uh, so yeah, let's get to the rating, I guess. First of all, let's let's hear your rating. I think I know all yours, right. but go ahead. Well, I mean, for this, similar to Habibi, I'm giving it four across the board. Everything, everything's four. Um, you know, like to break it down, uh, story. I think it's a great story. I think it's very. I mean, it pays homage to the things that they love, which I love when writers do that, and they can do that in an effective way that doesn't take away from the story. Um, and 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 this, I think they especially do that with the introduction of the foot. I mean, the foot exists, and they're and they're great. You know, even if you don't know that they were a knockoff of the hand, and that was the joke. Um, and this, you know, uh, and the same thing with the the story of the. You know the Daredevil origin story and all that stuff working out. Um, I think that uh, uh, I think that it it comes out really well. Um, so the so story I think is great. Art I love this art. I absolutely love the art. Uh, it, it's it's so interesting to see the meld between Eastman and Laird's work, especially when you look later at the work where they're working separate. I think they were definitely yeah, stronger working together. Not to say that their stuff isn't good, but like just comparing their old, their later stuff to this stuff. This this stuff I think is is better, um, and I think that they really worked well together, and their styles really melded well together. because uh, like starting in like issue eleven. They're they're not doing them together anymore. It's like one person does one, the next person does the other, and kind of they they go from there um, until they stop draw. I mean, like at some point around there, they stop drawing them all together and writing them all together, and they have other people doing them uh, because they had to take care of the business side of things, yeah, which like suck. kind of sucks. And like that also had a, det- a deterioration on their friendship as well because then it became all about business and like. It's not what they got into it to, to do was business. They got into it to to make to make stuff. So it's just an yeah, interesting like to dilemma. Of a story that like I like to know of a, of a success story that like evades that. You know, like two indie people who work together on the art and stay on the art, but still are able to like build the company yeah. around it. So yeah, that uh, I want to know. So so that's art color. So it, the original black and white is phenomenal. Um, I know you read it in the color classic, which is also great, but right. the original black and white that they did, the inking is fun. Uh, it's very detailed and it's, it, it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, the color classic, I also give a four cause I think it looks cool. It adds a new dimension. It really m- makes you feel the turtles as we know them now. Cause we obviously have seen them in cartoons and that green and 
I think it's really cool as well. So I think they're, you know, in both iterations, there are four. Now, I think that they've also colored this issue elsewhere. That's not the color classic. Um, I have not read those. I've I've heard bad. I've heard mixed reviews on other editions, but the color classics, as far as I'm concerned, love them. Um, so overall, yeah, four. How about you though? Let, let, break, break your break your recording down. All right, let's get into it. Um, I, I will. I'll start with <clears throat> first of all what I that's diff- What I have that's different than yours. Um, I would give the art. I would give that a a two and a half. But low. What what what, what docks it for you? That's that's pretty low. That's almost a three though. And and that is now this is a lot of the style, and I can appreciate it. Um, and why I gave it a two and a half as opposed to like anything lower is the. Um, it kind of makes me feel it's a little bit like nostalgic and it, it feels like kind of street fightery and like older, like eighties things and definitely eighties comics. And I definitely feel a Frank Miller in there. Um, so I like that, but I think they could have taken some nods from Frank Miller and like their proportions and like how they, how they tilt a face down or to the right or to the left. Like there's some of that that could have been, um, you know, study reference a little bit more in that, Docks it for me. Um, the the color, I'm gonna give uh, a two and a half as well. Uh, on the colored version, oddly enough, because I feel like I haven't read the black and white version, so I'm not gonna grade it or comment on it. But I feel like it would be better for me for it to be completely black and white. Although I don't know, I haven't read it yet. Fair enough. Um, on everything else, I give a four. Though, like the overview and and the story, I give a four because of its novelty and how creative they've brought these different ideas and brought them together. Like their love of like kung fu movies and their love of comics and Daredevil, and bringing the kooky idea of having turtle people and rat people uh, training together and becoming ninjas and practicing ninjutsu was executed like perfectly. And the indie nature of everything gives it a four four for that there for nice. me. So you would recommend this for somebody. You would say people should go out and buy this. Yeah, no doubt. Awesome. Um, great. Uh, do you think you're going to keep moving forward, get, read, read a couple more? I'm going to move forward with the whole the franchise as a whole. Personally, yeah. I'm going to probably check out those cartoons that you mentioned first before reading further uh, in, the, in TMNT, the classics here. Okay, cool. Fair enough. All right. So, uh, I mean, I think that kind of sums up it up pretty well. Uh, so, you know, it's it's also crazy to think about that we, we've talked about this for almost an hour and a half. We talked about this 40 pages almost as much as we talked about a 700-page <laughs> book. Pages. Yeah. <laughs> uh, In but, Habibi, which is the previous episode, if you want to go check that out. Yes, go check out all of our episodes. Uh, Brennan, how can they uh, – why don't you lay down some tracks and tell them how they can contact us? So if you want to contact us one-on-one, if you're going to email us, any questions, comments, or expletives, you can send it to drivemidnight at gmail.com. Drive and Midnight spelled the usual way. Uh, if you want to check out more of our episodes, you can check it out on iTunes, of course, Not So Super Podcast. Subscribe to us on there or subscribe to us on YouTube. You can see like the visuals that we put with everything there. As we talk about things, we'll put up visuals of the pages and the 
different panels that we're talking about on there. Um, also, you can find in the show notes there on YouTube. Uh, you can find the Amazon links. We're supported by Amazon, so if you buy any of these books or anything on Amazon, then we get a little bit of a cut, a cut from that. Like, it doesn't cost you anything extra. You just support the podcast if you go through our Amazon link, our Amazon portal to buy whatever. You know, socks or these comic books. Or <laughs> both. Then we get a cut. Um, hey, so yeah, you find buy those some turtle socks. Turtle socks. Ninja Turtle socks. Do it today. Go through our portal and support us. Um, and that's it. Great. So, uh, I guess I guess the only thing left is Brandon. Why don't you tell us what we're going to be reading next time? What's your pick? Uh, next time is it's going to be a short one. Okay. Uh, and it's something that I'm not sure everybody would be familiar with, and it is technically super indie. Um, it actually was started as an art project, and it is Bart Kira. Uh, so that is Bart from The Simpsons. Um, and Akira mashed together. So Akira is another graphic novel, um, originally Japanese, about Neo-Tokyo and, like, a cyberpunk destruction of the world. But these people mashed together the characters of The Simpsons and Akira to make Bart Kira. Uh, it was an ongoing art exhibition, and now they made it into some comic books. So we're going to read the first issue of that. So look Great. for that in our next episode. All right, so there you go, everybody. So uh, read up and join us next time. Uh, so I guess that's I guess that's all, right? We're good. That's it. Follow us on Instagram at uh, NSS Podcast. All right, there we go. All right, cool. So for not so super podcast, we've been your hosts, Matt Curley, joined by Brennan Khan, and uh, and thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Have a good night. All right, bye.